Welcome to the podcast of Grace Covenant Church, where we are transformed by God's grace, connected through relationships, and committed to service. All right, we're going to start a whole new series today uh, about finding your way in God's will. It starts, this is, a, this, is, this is the way I wish it was, okay, and the story of, some of you know the story of Paul's conversion when he becomes a follower of Jesus Christ, it happens in Acts chapter 9. It starts with an ominous tone. His name at this point, is, his name is Saul. And it said, Saul was, re- was heavy on the necks, breathing down the necks of all the new Christians, looking to destroy them, looking to kill them, men or women. And on his way to Damascus, a bright light blinded him, and he fell to the ground. And then he heard an audible voice, right? It went, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And Saul said, who are you, Lord? And, he, and the response was, I am the Lord Jesus whom you've been persecuting. Now go to Damascus and wait for my instructions. Wouldn't that be great if that were like normative? Like that's the way it works in the Christian life. It starts off by having this experience with God, you know, like a real one. Jesus shows up, ding dong, hey, let's go. And then he just tells you what to do. You just, pick, you just pray to him. You pick up the phone. Think about the clarity and the confidence that you would have all of your life, right? Wouldn't that be a blast? In my experience, you know, what do I do after high school? You should go to college. Where should I go? Anywhere but A&M. Okay. <laughs> I got it, God. I get it. What should I major in? Finance, but you'll never use it. Okay. Uh, and after that, what, what am I going to do when I grow up? You're going to be a youth pastor. Do you, this is Matt. This is Matt. Okay, should, should I get married? Yes. With who? Anybody that says yes. Just take <laughs> Children? Yes, three. Okay, talk to you tomorrow. Boom, that's it. Clarity, confidence, wouldn't that be great? If that's the will of God, then it looks like this, right? Straight line. Easy life with full confidence. That's, but that's not the will of God, is it? No, no, no. This is, this morning we're going to find out that finding our way around God's will is more like a maze. It looks something like this. And we'll spend four weeks looking at this life skill so that you and I can distinguish God's will for our life. It will start general and we'll work to very specifics about how to navigate our, our life with God. It's my hope that we will at least know how to make confident decisions in the future about what God would have us do specifically, maybe even occasionally uh, hear his voice so that we might be instructed. This week, this week, again, starting very specific or general and then working towards specific, this week we're going to learn and you must agree with where God is taking us. Okay? You have to agree on the destination or you're not going to want to be in on the journey. If you don't uh, agree with where he's going to finally uh, take you, right, then you, want, you won't want to go there. Um, Cheshire Cat, if you don't know where you're going, it doesn't matter which route you go. Okay? And so today, today we're looking at finding that star, what God's will is for every single child of God. Okay? What the star is for every child of God, regardless of where you enter this. Here it is. It is God's will, it is God's providential will, that you would be holy, complete, uh, mature, whole, these sorts of words. Uh, If you need something to give you a graphic, a picture of what that might look like, if you look at, if you look at Jesus, but with your personality, okay, you you have the mind of Jesus, you have the the fullness of his emotions, you have, you make the choices and the resolve that he has. That's what God has for us. He wants, he's not trying to make more Jesuses. He's trying to make you 
be you. Okay, that's what, that's what he wants. So he wants, he wants you to be courageous and compassionate. He wants you to have steel resolve but have great empathy. He wants you to be um, n- notoriously brave but also compassionate towards other people. See, that's, that's this, this fullness that we see in the life of Jesus Christ. And when you can read through the Gospels and say, I want to be like him but me. Now, I, I don't have to make this up because it's right in the Bible. I mean, look what it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 29. Look what it says, for God, for who God foreknew, he predestined them, right, predestined us to conform to the image of his son, that we might be the, that he might be the firstborn of many brothers and sisters. Image of his son. We are predestined, it is God's predestined will for us to be conformed to the image of his son. That phrase, image of his son, is loaded with influence and understanding of what we're supposed to be doing because it echoes, right, in the image of his son, we were made in the image of God. See, it goes all the way back to ontology, right? The, or, you know, right the, the nature of man is made in the image of God. The nature of man is made in the image of Christ, the original design. And, and everything in life, the, the previous verse, we know that all these things work together for the good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose, who he foreknew he predestined to be conformed to the So all this stuff in your life, is working its way towards this star, this destination point, and that is to be the fullness of who you were supposed to be. It's, it's Jesus and you. That's, all of life experiences are leading to that place. And, and you have to, here's the point, you have to agree with that destination. You, you have to agree with where God is taking you, that he predestined you to be whole and complete and mature and brave and compassionate because if you don't agree with that, then you can't take the trail, or you'll get lost in the maze. God's will is a maze, I'll tell you. But you'll get lost in the maze, and, and you, don't, you won't know what God is up to if you don't know the destination. Now, what does it mean if the destination is to be in the image of God, to be in the image of Christ? What does that mean? Okay, there's, there's a list, but I would say the, the attribute that distinguishes mankind uh, from animals and angels this, this, this one attribute that we are like God, but angels and animals are not, would be the attribute of sovereignty or to reign or to rule. Now, it's a, for us, you know, humans, it's a small s, sovereignty. It's a small r, to reign. But, but you'll read in books of theology that, that it, when it says that God is uh, ruling or reigning the earth, that he has given man the right to be a co-regent, and that means co-in charge. He's delegated. So the, the point is, we're going to be in the image of Jesus. If we're going to be in the image of Jesus, we're going to rule. We're going to reign. He's going to give us opportunities to be in charge. Look, look, watch this. Now, this is mind-blowing. I mean, this is amazing. It's inexplicable. I use those words because David can't understand it either, but I want you to see that this is what it means to be in the image of God and the image of Christ, to rule, to reign, to be sovereign. Psalm 8, David says this, when I, when I consider your, your heavens, the works, the work of your fingers, that's him reigning, the moon and the stars, and how you've set everything in place because that's you in charge, what is mankind that you would be mindful of them or human beings that you would even care for them, and yet you've made them a little lower than angels and crowned them with glory and honor? How has God crowned mankind with glory and honor? He made him just like him. He's made him like him in his image. Because verse 6 says, you made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet. That's reigning. 
all the flocks and the herds and all the animals of the wild and the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea and all that swim in the paths of the sea. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all of the earth? He made us in his image. He reigns, we reign. He's sovereign, we are to be sovereign. Look at the creation story again. We're made in his image. He said, you know, be sovereign over the garden, right? Be, subdue it, he says, right? That's, that's labor. That's what we do for a living. He said, look, I want you to watch the way I reign and rule my creation. Learn from that. Be like me. And I want you to be able to... You know, let there be order, right, from chaos. I let, let, there, let there be beauty. Let there be music. Because it is God's will for us to experience what he experienced when, while he was ruling and reigning, while he made creation, he said, and it was good. Ever done that? Ever done some ruling or reigning? And you say, then that was, that was good. He, that's because we're in his image. He says, back to the creation story, right? He says, reign over your family, right? Be sovereign, small, small s, be sovereign over your family. Be fruitful and multiply, he says. Be like I created something. You create something and, and watch me parent. Watch me show how you can make some, you know, do what you can to make a person a mature person, a complete person, a person that's responsible, a person that can, you know, rule and reign. And you'll pass that on as well. So, that you can say, when you look at your children or grandchildren, you could say, it's very good. It's very good. We act like God because we're in his image when we rule and when we reign. Now, for the sake of clarity, the rest of our time together, I'm just going to jump on this second example of it. We're in family and in parenting. Instead of watching how God rules and reigns, maybe the workplace, we could spend a time on that. We're going to just spend, look how he parents we should parent the same. Look how he parents and rules. Let's parent and rule that same way because we're trying to find the will of God and we're looking at the way he's parenting us. Okay, this isn't a lesson on parenting. It's how he's parenting us to get us to this destination. Okay? So before we get to that actual explanation, let me explain, first of all, what it means to be sovereign. Okay? If we're sovereign, we're in his image and we're sovereign, what does it mean to be? Sovereign means that you have a plan and you have a power to make the plan happen. Okay, that's what it means to be sovereign. God has a plan, and he has the power to make the plan happen. We have a plan. We're supposed to have a plan for our lives. We're supposed to have our plan for our parenting, and we're supposed to have the power to pull the plan off. So that's the first part of sovereignty. First part of sovereignty is plan plus power. The second part of sovereignty you need to know is that when we talk about sovereignty of God or sovereignty at all, there's three wills involved in this. I'll explain the wills, but there's, there's three wills for God, and because we're in his image, there's three wills for man. What are those wills? Keeping up. First will is the providential will of God. When we talk about the will of God, one of the wills we're talking about is the providential will of God, and that means, providence means it is going to happen. There's nothing in heaven and earth, there's no created thing that can stop the providential will from happening. God is God. He can do what he wants, when he wants, the way he wants, right? Some of the providential will of God is revealed. Some of it's a mystery. Did you know that we have a providential will? We have something that's absolutely going to happen, and as much as we can, with small p providential, we're going to make that happen. At my house, growing up at Cassidy, there was a plan, and we learned it early on. We were going to go to college, we were going to graduate from college, and we were going to get out of the house. That's what, that's what it meant. Okay, and so one summer I came back, 
uh, from running around with some friends all summer long, and I came back and I said, hey, Dad, we, a bunch of us, we're going to go and, 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 and grab a cargo ship. This is true. We're going to board a cargo ship to Australia, and we're going to do ranching for about two years. And, and he said, okay, first of all, the Pacific Ocean is a lot bigger than you think it is, and it doesn't like humans. Second of all, you're graduating from college. Okay, sure. So I did another year. Came back the next year, same bunch of guys, unfortunately, and we kind of felt we'd lived pampered lives. And so I came back to Dad, and I said, listen, Dad, here's the thing that I don't like about myself. I have never gone a week without food, and we're going to all join the military. And he, and he said... He said, okay, well, uh, first of all, missing meals is not all that it's cracked up to be. It's not a bad thing that you haven't missed meals. And second of all, you are going to graduate. You don't have a choice. And then we'll talk about what you do after that. A deal? And I said, sure. Because here's the thing. It was the providential will of Jerome T. Cassidy that I go to college, graduate from college, and then leave. And he made sure that was going to happen. Providential will. There's, besides providential will, there's, there's God's moral will. God's moral will is, is that he has defined what is right and wrong, what is ethical and what is evil, right? And he's declared that in simple places like the Ten Commandments, he is, and it's in our hearts is what it means to be human. We have a conscience, and we know what's right and wrong. It's in the Bible. It's in our conscience. And the moral will of God says there's boundaries to the decisions you make. You and I, in our families, we have moral wills. My dad had a moral will that I found out in eighth grade, uh, rather graphically. I said something to my mother that was uh, uh, off the chart disrespectful, and my dad uh, laid down this moral will that should have been written in my heart. Uh, he, he informed me, it never occurred to me until that moment, anyone in the family, that it turns out that my mother is his wife. And no one would ever talk to his wife like that. And so we all learned um, that there is a moral will at this household, and that is to always respect the wife of the father here. Right? And then besides the providential will and the moral will, there's also a third will. It's the permissive will. Okay? The permissive will, in, in, in the context of a God's permissive will, it says he allows things to happen that he, doesn't, he wouldn't prescribe. This is where... He's talking about evil or bad things. God permits these things to happen. He doesn't, he doesn't cause them to happen. He does not initiate bad things, but he allows bad things. Most of his permissive will is in the context of respecting human freedom. He, we are in the image of God. God is free. We are free will uh, individuals. He wants us to choose. He wants us to choose good or bad. He will per- allow us to choose bad if we'd like, okay? And, and so he basically says there's a moral way and there's a hard way, and you can choose. We have, right, right we have permissive wills. Uh, growing up, you probably, my family, we had permissive wills. My parents let us make mistakes. They enforced consequences for those mistakes regularly. So in God's sovereignty, when he has a plan and he has the power, he uses all three wills for, for example, his, his uh, providential will is not thwarted by his permissive will, right? Uh, Joseph, what you meant for evil, oh, it was evil, but it's okay because God's going to use it for good, right? So it, it was just part of the permissive will. Uh, a violation, right, egregious uh, violation of the moral will is, is violated by betraying Jesus Christ, but yet it was still part of a, per, you know, providential will that we might all 
if we choose, have an experience with God. So the point is, God is a sovereign parent. We kind of have a small s sovereignty in our parenting, and, and he is going to bring us to this star, you know, at the maze, and if we understand it and we desire it. He's parenting us for that. I was, uh, we, Lynn and I were talking with a, um, a student counselor about a year, maybe two years ago. Our daughter, I gifted her with my dyslexia, and so we were figuring out she couldn't keep up in college. And, and after the test, he was given a battery of tests so that she could qualify for some things. And he said, listen, 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 you need to know something. Okay, this is the fourth. I've been around for a while. I think this is the fourth time we've seen a test come out. And now the books are showing it. And it's just studies confirm there's this one word that defines a successful child. It just keeps showing up. And your kid has it. And her reading isn't going to be a factor. It's going to make her slow. She's not going to make the best grades, but she has this one thing, grit. Look up parenting books on grit. There's got to be, I'll bet there's eight, or, uh, eight of them. Grit. It, it's perseverance. It's passion. It says, I'm, I'm gonna, and, and so the point is, I'm going to summarize what God's bringing. The star is grit. Okay, he's bringing you to maturity, to completeness, to perfection, to the image of Christ. And Jesus, Jesus had grit. That's where he's bringing us to. Now, what I'd like to do, I brought the board here, is because we're talking about parenting models. And the reason I think people don't understand the will of God is because they, they don't understand the way God is parenting. And, and, and since they don't go along with that, they don't like the destination, and they don't like his parenting model either. So what I'd like to do is, you've probably seen this in some classes here at Grace. I'm going to go over three fundamental parenting models. I'm going to show you where God is and where he's not. Okay. Now, the box, I'm going to draw a box here, and the, the box is going to be about, uh, in a word, sovereignty, control, freedom, right? This is, and and on, on the bottom here will be parents, okay? And this will be the children. Oh, I want to use another marker. This will be the child. Blue will be child, okay? And so... We're all going to be negotiating how, who's in control, the parent or the child. Now, the first kind of style of parenting, it would be would called, someone would call a codependency child or parenting model. And it's like, who's in, who's in charge? This is age, by the way, as the child gets older, right? So they start off, sure, the parent's in charge. And this parent says, okay, but I'm just going to, well, whoa, <laughs> oops, let them have a little too much control there. Their whole life, the plan is to never really turn over. This, there's no, here's the thing, there's no permissive will in this. There, there's no allowing the child to express themselves by making mistakes and living with the consequences. There, and here's the reason why, okay? This parent, the reason a parent parents this way is because they're needy. They need someone to need them, right? I want you to want me. I need you to need me, right? Cheap Trick's been singing this song for years. we got to listen to it, right? Or this parent is scared. And when they, it's a big, dark, ugly world out there, and I'll take care of all of the, your decision-making, and I'll make sure you're safe. And what this, what this leads to, okay, what this leads to is this child will go along because it's working for them. It's staying weak, and I'll hang around because I get what I want eventually, right? Okay, and, and they'll stay weak. Or... This child will leave and never come back because this child realized when they got out far enough and they stretched their wings that their, that their parent or parents did not respect them and did not train them and did not make them whole. And when they do come back, guess what? The parent wants to go back up here and take all the power and the control back. 
right? Now, here's the thing. Look, I, you know, here's the thing. If this is the way God were parenting, I would like this. Honest to goodness, this is the way I want, okay? Just take over all the rough spots, God. I'll just stay here. You know, go fight my battles. Go, go learn these things for me and then, you know, get on, right? I want to stay a kid. I do. I want my innocence. Oh, my goodness, I want my innocence. But here's the problem, okay? God's not needy. And he's not scared. And he wants us not to be afraid. And I mean, there's a promise in the Bible. He says, greater is, I'm giving you the spirit of God because greater is he that is within you than is he that's in the world. I'm courageous. I'm making you courageous. Now, here's the part you need to understand. If this is the way you think God works or this is the way you want God to work, you will never know the will of God for your life because he's not doing this. He will not play this game with you. Two ways to fall off a horse, right? There's another model of parenting, okay? Age, right? This is all about control. Uh, oops. Parents down here. Kids up here. I'm going to leave these caps off. Look at me. I'm going to run with scissors later. Um, okay? This, this kind of parenting... They turn, it, they turn the place over to the kids. Look at all this control the kids have. They start off over here. This is the, it's called the detached parent. Uh, it's, it's the lazy parent. It's the one that's too busy parent, okay? Or, or, you know, sometimes it's the cool parent. Oh, look at that little guy expressing himself. Look at him terrorizing that, that restaurant. Oh, God, that is so fun. Um. <laughs> What's the problem? There's no moral will in this one. A child doesn't learn what's, what's right and wrong. They, 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 they have no consequences for the decisions that they're making. And because of that, they, they, can't, they can't navigate life. And here's the thing about the human soul. Just like a kite is better on a string and a train is better on a track, a human soul is best when it has a moral code within it. And where... where where this, where this leads to is right around seventh grade usually, and then later it just there's this explosion, okay? Because now consequences, the logical and rational consequences, are de- delegated to what? Teachers and coaches, and what's next? Police. And, and, and some, of, some of these people, they don't, they, don't, <laughs> they don't even know the cause-effect relationship between the, their decisions. Now, listen, I like this style of parenting for God when I'm running crazy and in disobedience. I do. But here's the thing. God's not like this. He's not, you know, he's not lazy, and he's not cool. And if you are truly a follower of Jesus Christ, you will have consequences. Bible promises that. I mean, Hebrews says he spanks those that are his kids. If you don't get spanked, it's because you're not his child. And he's not going to allow this to happen. He, he, he won't do it. And so, but the point is this. If this is the way you think God works, that he's just going to leave you alone, then you will never know the will of God because God doesn't work this way. Okay? So there's this third option, right? And it's, it's the way God parents, if we watch the way God parents, and then we, you know, do what he did and do the sovereignty in our way, here's what it's going to look like. It's a little bit different between 
you know, God and us for reasons. But if we parent right, we start over here. The child has no freedom, right? For a while, right? They don't have any freedom. They're eating stuff out of the litter box, for goodness sakes. No, no, not, no, no. And then, and then you're, you're delegating more freedom and you're teaching them how to deal with peer pressure. You're teaching them how to fail. You're setting them up to win. You're, you're having noble losses. You're, you're, you're teaching them, you know, just right how to navigate life. And then eventually, by the way, right, it comes down to the point where I don't have any, the parent, I don't have any more freedom. And my child has all that. I, I have the forms. I'm going to be deciding where my dad lives and what he eats, and if he ever has a driver's license again, right? Well, well, that's all true with us. I'm just going to try to do it this way. God's more, going to be a lot more like this. He's, he's going to want us to stay in the game the whole time. And, and he's going to want to do that because he has a plan, and he has a power to pull off the plan, doesn't he? And if you can, if you can see that his, his destiny for you, right, is to be shrewd as serpent, right, but as innocent as, as doves, then you're going to go there. So if this is the way you see God working, constantly delegating, constantly growing you up so that you can learn how to rule, how you can learn how to reign, how you can be sovereign in your family, in your marriage, in your workplace, that you'd have a plan and a power to make that happen, then you're going to see God's will in your life. It's a maze, friends. It's not a straight line. But I want you to see how it kind of makes sense out of the suffering. It, it makes sense out of maybe where you're going and how you're getting there. Let me give you a spectacular example of God parenting like this in the Bible. In two sentences, God, God's going to show that he has a, a you know, a, I'm sorry, a premeditated will, right? A providential will. He's going he's to have a moral will, and he's going to have a permissive will in two sentences. Now, to set up the context, it's in the book of Exodus, chapter 13. Chapter 12 is the Passover. So if you know, the Jews were in Israel or in Egypt for 400 years, and then it was time to leave. Chapter 13, Pharaoh says, I'm done. The ten plagues have broken me. I will let the people go. And they're going out of Egypt, and they are providentially destined for the promised land, which is Canaan, okay, or Palestine, whatever you want, right? They're going there. Now listen, the shortest distance between Egypt and Palestine is, is called the way of the sea. It just, it just runs right along the Mediterranean, okay? It's a fast route. It takes 8 to 10 days to get there if you're walking, okay? Piece of cake, right? It's also called the, the way of the Philistines because that's Philistine country, okay? So this is a newborn nation, and they're coming out, and they're going to... And he's not going to go the maze that goes straight through. He's going to take him off road. Look, look at verse 13. I'm sorry, chapter 13, verse 17. Two sentences. This is parenting right here. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through Palestine country. Or I'm sorry, Philistine country. That's important. The road through Philistine country, though it was much shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert towards the Red Sea, and Israelites went up out of Egypt in battle formation. Three things in this passage. Genius in parenting, right? The, the first thing is that he, he did not, he took them into the maze instead of the straight line. He did not go the way of the Philistines. Why not? Because the Philistines are Klingons, friends, okay? They are a war nation, and they are very good at what they're doing in this time in history. And Israel has no combat uh, experience, right? They've been shepherds, 
and slaves for 400 years. What are they going to throw like bricks and sheep at these guys? They don't have a chance. And God knows that. And so, right, he's going he's, he's, it's part of his, uh, you know, his, his prescriptive will. It's part of, his, actually, his providential will that they make it to the promised land. They won't make it there. And so he's, if they see that war taking place too early, too early, they'll go back to Egypt. He wants them to fight. He wants them to learn how to fight, but not today. And so where does he send him? The second part, does he send him to someplace safe? No, he sends them to the Red Sea. You guys know the story of the Red Sea, right? I mean, the Red Sea, you've seen the, the brochures, right? It's got, you know, right there, the Ulcer Cove and, and, and Panic Beach right there. It's not a good place. They won't be annihilated, but they'll learn from God. They have lessons to learn about God first. And this Red Sea experience, by the way, will be the single most quoted story in the Older Testament. Because God didn't want them destroyed, he wanted them strengthened. So he didn't send them the short way, he sent them into the maze. And the third thing, please note, and they went out in combat formation. They went out in battle formation. They were, a, they were an army. They were drafted. They weren't civilians anymore because they needed to be made strong so that when they got to Palestine, the promised land, they would reign over it. They would rule over it. They would have to protect it. They were going to fight for it, and then they were going to keep it protected. They were going to learn how to fight in the desert on the way there. I mean, I mean look, how, look how great the parenting with purpose is taking place there. God's will for us. Here's the point. God's will for us is right here in this passage, right? He's not going to take us to a place that will destroy us. He wants to take us. Our final destination is to be like Jesus Christ, right? But he won't take us the fast way if we're too weak and not to d- deliver us, right? That's, wait, when we pray this, listen, when we pray this, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. How many times do we pray that prayer he leads us away from the straight shot into a maze, and we go, what, what's going on? What's happening? I am answering your prayer that you wouldn't, you wouldn't fail. I'm sending you to a place that will be difficult, but you'll succeed. You see, I mean, and, and, and then so he sends the next part. He sends us to the Red Sea. It's a metaphor for us. He sends us to places so that we can learn about him. Listen, after the Red Sea, they spend a year at Mount Sinai. He's been sending people to Mount Sinai for a long time. We've all, if you've walked with Christ with any amount of time, you've been in a desert before, right? Because that's where you learn about him. That's where you grow stronger, right? That's where you learn courage and compassion. And the third thing, listen, we're soldiers, friends. We're not enlisted. I mean, we're, you know, we're not civilians anymore. And that, if you look at the history of Israel when they're coming out of the desert, the problem is this one half of a sentence that they, they left in combat formation. The reason they cried out because they went three days without water is because they were acting like civilians. The reason they went a week without some food, and they had food, but they were complaining about the kind of food, right, is because they were acting like civilians, not warriors. God was, they wanted this, Take care of me, God. Fight all my battles for me. Feed me. Clothe me. Do all this stuff for me. And God said, no, 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 no. I can't do that. I'm a good God. I will do this for you. And so each step of the way, he's going to teach them not to be strong and courageous. Here's the, here's the sovereign will for your life. 
This is, at, this is the star that you're aiming for. And all things work together for the good for those who love him and are called according to this purpose, that you are predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus. It's you in Jesus. It's Jesus in you. Strong, courageous, passionate, you know, emotions that are true, right? right? Caring and empathetic, steeled nerve, right? Grit. Grit. He is raising you to be grit. That's his will for your life. When you surrender to that, when you see that's your final destination, then you can maybe, maybe make sense out of the maze that you're in. You have to agree to that first. It's, by the way, did you see what it said? You're predestined? Oh, it's going to happen. Here's what I'd like to do. In closing, I'd like for you to consider these parenting models in the way you might have perceived God to be and the way God really is. When we read, let me, I'll just, as we close our eyes, let me just read some sentences right out of the Bible. One out of, some out of Romans, some out of James. Listen, listen to what God's up to, right, to make you whole and complete and perfect, right, lacking in nothing, fully you, so that you can rule, okay? But we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, character, it has hope. And hope is not disappointing. It will never put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through his Holy Spirit who has been given to us. He's making us stronger so that we can rule, so that we can reign, so that we can be responsible, so that we'll have grit. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Whenever you face trials of any kind, here's why. Because the testing of your trials, that's just good parenting going on because it's going to produce perseverance. And perseverance finished work is mature and complete, lacking in nothing. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Having passed that test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord God promised and those who he loves. And he will say about you, and it is very good. Lord Jesus, I do ask and pray that we could understand what you're up to in our lives. Maybe not agree with it, but we would understand what you're up to, that your will for us is to be like Jesus, be like us, like Jesus, to be the fullness of who we were meant to be, back into the original design, in the image of God, in the image of me. So, Lord Jesus, I, I lift that up, that you would help explain this to us as we go out through our, our days and weeks ahead, that you, your spirit would whisper us and say, this is part of my plan. I'm making you grown up. I'm building endurance in your, you. I'm giving you grit. This is how it happens. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information about Grace, visit our website at grace360.org.